Well, I was recently listening to a podcast where author A.J. Jacobs talked about how he and his wife try to cultivate a sense of gratitude among their family, and they try to encourage their kids to give thanks. And so he said that they encourage their kids to write thank you notes, to thank their bus driver, and that they even encourage their kids to thank Amazon Alexa whenever she does anything for them. Y'all know her, the little robotic voice. So they try to encourage their kids to give thanks. And so one of the things that they do as a family is around the dinner table, AJ will go around and say things that he's thankful for, and he'll say, thank you to the farmer who harvested these potatoes that we're eating tonight. Thank you to my wife who prepared this food. Thank you to the person who helped deliver the carrots to the grocery store that we're now eating, and on and on, things like that. And one day his son said to him, he said, Dad, you know those people can't hear you, right? So you can imagine he probably wanted to jump across the table or respond with a little bit of sarcasm. But AJ, being the creative writer that he is, he had a thought. He said, you know what? My son's right. And so he had an idea for the next book he was going to write. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to go and thank every single person I can think of that helped make my morning cup of coffee possible. Because AJ, he loves getting coffee at the local coffee shop every morning. So he said, you know, I'm going to go around and I'm going to thank everybody I can think of connected with my cup of coffee. I'm going to chronicle it and put it out in a book. And so he did that. He first walked to the local coffee shop where he went every day and he thanked the barista who served his coffee. Then he flew to Columbia to the finca where they were harvesting the coffee beans and he thanked the farmer who picked the beans. Then he called up the person who created the logo for the coffee cup and thanked them for creating that logo. And uh, then he he found the person who invented the cardboard sleeve on a coffee cup. Do you all know what that's called? A zarf. That's the name of it. A zarf. So he found the inventor of the zarf and he called and he thanked the inventor. And then one of my favorite ones was he tracked down the woman who did pest control at a storage facility where the beans were stored for a period of time, and he thanked her for her role in making his cup of morning coffee possible. And as you can imagine, along the way, people were kind of weirded out by it, and they thought that this was some kind of scam or some kind of scheme as he called them and said he wanted to meet up with them and thank them. But as he began doing this, as he began going around the world thanking all of these people who helped make it possible, he found that it gave them great joy that they experienced happiness, and that he did too, that as he went around the world thanking people, he experienced a lot as well. And so his new book is coming out um, in the next couple of weeks, and it's called Thanks a Thousand, A Gratitude Journey, and he writes about the thousand people who helped make his cup of morning coffee possible. And as the interview was going on, he talked at one point about how he was agnostic, how he didn't really believe in God. And so as I was listening to this interview about this guy who went around the world giving a thousand people Thanksgiving for his cup of coffee, and yet he was agnostic, I couldn't help but think, here is somebody who doesn't really believe in God, and yet he's doing the will of God. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What's God's will for my life? If you're not a Christian or you're agnostic, you probably haven't asked that question. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you probably asked yourself that question at some point in my life. God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? 
And so at my points in different life, you know, when I was going to college, I was praying to God. God, help show me the path to college. Help me see where you want me to go. When I was dating other people before Emily, I was like, God, help me know. Should I date this person? If you're dating, you need to pray about it, okay? It's good to ask God's will for your dating life. And then when I was discerning my call to ministry, I was like, God, I know you've called me, but is this exactly right? And so I would pray to God. I would ask God for signs. I'd be like, God, send a hot air balloon with a little tail on it that says yes or no. I would pray for all sorts of stuff like that, you know. Every once in a while, God gave a sign. A lot of times, he didn't. A lot of times, I think God said, you know what? Either choice is okay. But I spent a lot of energy and effort thinking about what is the will of God for my life? And as we think about that question, what is God's will for our life? The Apostle Paul comes into the picture. And writing to the Thessalonians, he tells them, this church, this young church that's been transformed by Jesus Christ, he tells them some things that are always God's will for us. He tells them some things that, that if we do them, we will never go wrong when we do them. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when he's writing to them, he says this. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we're going to be talking about in the month of November, giving thanks. Because while we might not exactly know what God's will for us is tomorrow, we do know God's will for us today, and that is to give thanks. And Paul, later on, he repeats this when he's writing to the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 15, he says this. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Say that after me. Be thankful. Paul is writing this. To this church, he writes it to the Thessalonians. He writes this over and over again. You know why? Because they weren't doing it. Because they were forgetting about it. Because in the midst of everything going on in their church and in their lives, they weren't listening to his instructions. They weren't being thankful. And so Paul had to remind them over and over again, be thankful. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder over and over again as well. I need that reminder to be thankful. And the reason I need it, the reason you need it, is because our natural tendency isn't towards gratitude. It's not towards giving people thanks on a constant basis. Our natural tendency, because of sin inside of us, is towards pride and towards entitlement. And so we need this reminder like Paul gives us over and over again. And John Ortberg, who's written a great book called Soul Keeping, he says that the soul thrives on gratitude. And as he's talking about one of the reasons why so few of us give gratitude on a regular basis, he said it's because we tend to look around us and believe all that we have was gained by our own resourcefulness. And so we, we look at our lives and we look at our businesses and we say, you know what, I, I built this. I built this on my own. We look at our families, and when our kids turn out good, we say, you know what? What a great job I did. I did this on my own. Other people didn't help me. When they turn out bad, we don't, we don't put it on ourselves. But when they turn out good, we do. We want to take the credit. 
when we're doing a project, we think, you know what, I, I did all of this. When we make the team, we think, I did this on my own. And so we don't think we need to thank other people. We think, actually, we need to thank ourselves. We're the ones to thank because of our pride. And because of our pride, it leads us away from gratitude and giving thanks. But it's not just our pride that keeps us from giving thanks. It's also a, a spirit of entitlement, of thinking that the things we have in our lives are there because we've earned them or because we deserve them. So, when our spouse takes out the trash, we don't give them thanks. Because we think, I take out the trash every day. Why do I need to thank them? They owe me one, right? See how that works out for your marriage. It doesn't work out very good. good. Testimony. We got a testimony. We probably got another one in here somewhere. It doesn't work out very well. You know what? You're at work. Coworker stays late working on a project. You don't give them thanks because you know what? You stay late working on many projects and they need to work a little bit harder. So you know what? You just withhold it from them. A friend helps you out on a Saturday. You don't thank them because you've helped them out on many Saturdays. So they, they owe you. You've kind of earned their help. A lot of us, when we're looking at our lives, we look at everything around us and we think, you know, I've earned this or I deserve this because of a spirit of entitlement. And you know what? It's interesting, I have a graph here of the word entitlement and its usage over the last 200 years. So you see 1800, 1900, 1950, wow, spike right there. And I am part of what people call the entitlement generation. And at times it's a fitting name. Because a lot of times I'm entitled, I'll I'll confess to you. Sometimes, thankfully, Emily calls me out on it, we'll be at the movie theater you know, now tickets are like twelve fifty, So I'm at the movie theater, and we're going to leave. And I, I'm just going to leave my popcorn and leave my empty drink there because I'm paying twelve I'm paying somebody to come and clean up after me. And so I'm not going to take the 10 feet with my stuff and throw it away myself because I'm thinking, that's what I pay them for. Instead of thinking, wow, I'm grateful that somebody cleaned up after other people so that I could sit here in comfort and watch a movie. I'm not immune to this. You're not immune to this. None of us are immune to this. We all have this spirit of pride and the spirit of entitlement that keeps us from expressing gratitude to other people. And John Orberg goes on to say this, that the more you think you're entitled to, the less you will be grateful for. The bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. That's the bad news. bad news is that we all struggle with this because of the sin in our lives. But the good news is that change is possible. And that the greater sense of humility we have, the greater the sense of gratitude we'll have as well. And when we look at these verses where Paul says, be thankful or give thanks... And you look in the original language at the Greek there, at the word that Paul is using, at the center of both of those words is the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, which means grace. And so embedded in this word thanksgiving is this idea in, in the Greek of giving thanksgiving in response to grace, something we haven't earned or something we haven't deserved, something that is a gift. 
And when we look in the Bible over and over again, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in the New Testament, we see people giving thanks to God in response to God's gifts to them. And we think about God and God's nature. Really, God is a God of grace. God gives us what we haven't earned and what we don't deserve. And as Christians, we constantly reflect on on the cross, on how the greatest gift ever was God sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. To live a perfect life that we could never live, to die on the cross, to take the penalty of our sins, to rise again and defeat death. Jesus did what none of us could ever hope to do so that we could be saved and have a living relationship with God. And all of that was a free gift from God to us. And the proper response to that gift of grace is to give thanks. And that's why we gather for worship on Sunday morning. It's not just to be inspired and to go out. It's to give thanks to God. That's why we sing. That's why we give. That's why we serve their expressions of thanksgiving to God. And next week, we're going to talk specifically about giving thanksgiving to God. But God doesn't just send grace into our our personal lives. God also sends grace through the form of other people. God sends people into our lives who are a tangible sign of his grace to us. People who are gifts to us, who encourage us, who inspire us. And our proper response to those people that God has sent into our lives, those gifts, is thanks to give thanks. And you know what's amazing about grace? Is that even when we don't give God thanks and praise, even when we don't recognize all of the good gifts that God has given in our lives, you know what? He still gives them to us. He still pours out his mercy on us. He still pours out his grace on us. He still sends people into our lives to help draw us to him, even when we ignore him and even don't recognize him, because that's his nature. God is a God of grace, and he loves giving good gifts to people like you and me who haven't earned them and who don't deserve them. God is a God of grace. And Paul, what I love about him is that he doesn't doesn't just command people and say, hey, you know what, do this. He also models this for them. He gives praise to God as someone who was transformed by the grace of God from, from, from a terrorist who was going around killing Christians to someone who was going around planting churches. He knew the grace of God and the power of God to transform a life, and so he gave thanks to God regularly. But also as he wrote letters to these young churches... He told them that he was thankful for them, typically in the introduction of his letters. And a lot of times he said, I'm thanking God for you. That's how he expressed that he was thankful for them. And so in his different letters, we have different introductions, like here in Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then in another letter... In Philippians, he says this, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thanking them for their partnership in the gospel. 
And then to the church in Rome, the Romans, he says this. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul models what it's like to give thanks as he encourages these people. And as these churches got these letters of thanks, what probably happened to them is the same thing that happens to you and me when we receive words of thanks. They were inspired. They received joy. They were encouraged. And I'm reminded of this passage from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And that's what happens when we give thanks. We spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We encourage one another. And I don't know about you, but I love hearing and receiving words of thanks. I love receiving gifts of thanks. Sorry, I'll just confess that. I do. I love it. And actually, I heard a writer a while back named Michael Hyatt. He encouraged years ago, and I've actually done this, to keep a folder, a Thanksgiving folder, where you save words of encouragement and words of thanks that people give you. And so I have a folder that I've kept for years now where I save cards, I save letters, I save notes. I have an email folder in my inbox, and it's called encouragement. And so when somebody sends me encouraging words or words of thanksgiving, I file it away. So do y'all remember last Thursday when it was like really rainy and cold and dark at 11 a.m. outside? On days like that, I go into that folder and I read words of thanks. And I think, okay, God, this day is rough, but I'm going to give thanks. It's a way I can hang on to and remember who God is and the gifts that God has placed in my life. And I know I'm not alone in this because there was research done at UT Austin and they did a study on gratitude and guess what it revealed? People love receiving words of thanks. That was not the surprising aspect of the study. The surprising aspect of the study was that people tend to underestimate the positive impact words of thanksgiving will have. And we overestimate how awkward the recipients will feel about the message. We underestimate the impact it's going to have on somebody else, and we overestimate how awkward it's going to be to just tell somebody thank you or write them a thank you note out of the blue. And so what that does inside of us is it just kind of makes us paralyzed, and we end up doing nothing. But when we express words of thanks, when we give thanks to other people, it might seem small, but it has the ability to make a huge impact on somebody's life. Because that's what happens when we're doing God's will. When we're living out God's will for us, it can transform other people. But it doesn't just transform other people, it also transforms us. I mean, that's what A.J. Jacobs found as he went around the world thanking people for his cup of coffee. He found that people were inspired, that people experienced joy, and he found that he experienced it as well. And he discovered something that researchers have confirmed over and over again. Happiness doesn't lead to gratitude. Gratitude leads to happiness. A lot of times we get it backwards. Gratitude leads to happiness. When we're living out God's will for our lives, then we're also filled with joy with encouragement and happiness 
as well. But in our crazy world today, it's hard, right? It's hard to find time and to make time to express gratitude. And so I want to share with you just a few quick ways that in our world today, you can give thanks. And these come from, his name is Brother David Steindl Rost. He's a Benedictine monk. And he, he, he came up with three simple things to help you cultivate gratitude towards other people in your life. And they are stop, look, and go. And so he says the first thing we need to do, especially as Americans, is we need to slow down and we need to stop. Because most of us are living at a crazy pace in life. We're running from one place to the other, from our job to childcare to school to practice, just trying to get sleep and make a meal. And because we're so busy, we never take time to recognize the gifts in our lives, the grace that God has given us, the way that God has placed other people in our lives. We don't have time to think about how blessed we are. And so he says, look, find a time, maybe it's in the morning, right when you wake up. Maybe it's right before you go to bed where you can find times where you stop and you look around at your life. That's the second thing after stopping is looking, is observing your life. Of just opening up your eyes and say, God, how are other people making my life possible? Who are the people you're sending into my life as a gift? God, who are the people that helped make this cup of coffee or this meal possible for me? Take time to look around. First of all, to, to look around at the grace of God and meditate on the grace of God through Jesus Christ that he's given us. That through that sacrifice, we have new life. We can have a living relationship with him. Meditate on that regularly. Give God thanks for that. But look around at the rest of your life. When you go pick up your kids from the kids area today, look around at all the volunteers who are helping make that possible when your kid was screaming and crying and you're, you're sitting in here in the peace and quiet. Reflect on that. When you go out to lunch, if you go out to lunch after this, think about all the people who maybe want to be in church today but can't because they're working, serving you. Look around. Slow down. Look. And then he says, go. Express thanks. Don't wait until you have the perfect piece of stationery. Don't wait until you feel like you've got your words all together. Don't wait until you feel like this is the opportune time to finally express my thanks. No, pick up the phone, send the text, make the phone call, write the letter, go to somebody's house, tell the person next to you on the car ride home, thanks. Give them thanks. Because a lot of us wait till we, we feel gratitude or we feel thankful and then we express. But what happens is when we express thanksgiving and we express gratitude, the feelings of gratitude often follow. And so as a church in the series, you know, we don't want to just talk about these things. We want to actually do these things. We want to help you live them out in response to God's grace in your life and the people he sent into your life. And so when you leave the worship center today in the lobby, there is a table with thank you notes on it. There are some masculine thank you notes. There are some feminine thank you notes. You can pick whichever thank you note you want. But we want you to grab a thank you note and an envelope on the way out and to write a thank you note to somebody this week. To express 
thanks to them. We have enough for everybody in here to have at least one. And then if it's left over and you're feeling really inspired, you can take the extras. But we want to encourage you to give thanks to somebody this week and tell them, hey, you're a gift from God to me. And I just want you to know that. And if you want to take it to the next level, after you write your note, pick up the phone, call the person and read it out loud to them. Or text them and say, I have something really important I want to talk with you about. Could you meet me at Starbucks? And then read the note aloud to them so that you can see the impact that your gratitude has on somebody else. And actually, we're going to do that this morning. This is a fun little thing we're going to do. Um, Donna Lummis, who's our leadership chair. Where's Donna at? Okay. Donna, um, I want to call you forward. Donna's our leadership chair. She served this year. I'm very grateful for her. She's going to serve next year as well. Let's give Donna a round of applause. Thank, thank her. She serves a lot behind the scenes um, in our church in many different capacities. And um, so Donna's actually going to read some words of thanks to Jim and Sandy McMiniman, who have been a huge part of our church for many years. And uh, actually, I want Jim and Sandy to come up. Y'all know Pastor Stephen, he used to call people on stage during the sermon, and I've heard people didn't like that uh, because it just made them terrified. And I, I told people I wouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, you can come on up. So Jim and Sandy have been a part of our church for many years. Um, Jim has served as our lead trustee, overseeing our facilities, getting this church into this building, helping get it built, overseeing the project. Sandy currently serves on our staff parish relations team that oversees myself and all the, all the staff members. And so we wanted to give you some words of thanks this morning from the church and from Donna. So I was going to write you a note personally anyway, and then uh, I got this opportunity. So, all right, somebody pass a tissue to Sandy, please. (laughs) (laughs) The Sandys are sharing tissues. (laughs) All right, so, and I'm going to read this, and uh, hopefully I can read. Dear Sandy and Jim, I love you both. Thank you for your friendships, both to me personally and to the church corporately. You have both been tremendous blessings to my life and in the life of Harvest Point. Jim, whenever I think of you, the descriptions that come to mind are cool, calm, and collected, strong and silent, a gentle giant, and um, I'll confess a picture of Shrek comes to my mind now and then. And let me be clear, the kind and gentle Shrek, of course. Uh, You led and worked tirelessly as we dreamed, planned, and finally built our church building. You worked endless hours researching and working with contractors and people of the church to ensure we got the best bang for our buck and that we built a building that we would, of course, be proud of, and we are. You poured in with your heart and with your talents and your wisdom. You were key to leading us to the place God wanted us to be. And I'd like to thank you from my whole being for your calm, careful, and confident leadership. 
And the same goes for our new RTB. Your wisdom and guidance in the real rebuilding of Bethlehem on our property were crucial to the great success we had in 2017. Um, and I'll never consider the brick and mortar of this building or the streets of Bethlehem without thinking of you with sincere gratitude. I'll miss you being... <laughs> I will miss you being here with us day to day. Thank you for your steadfast servant heart to the work you've done for this church and the leader of our, as the leader of our trustees team for so many years. You've given just as much care with the day-to-day -day work of the trustees in making the building, <laughs> making sure the building stays up and running as you do everything that you can do. I've watched you and Sandy empty trash cans uh, for our space week after week, and you both have been beautiful examples of servant leadership. Thank you. And now Sandy, Mrs. Hopper, and all of the other personas that you have brought to uh, Harvest Point. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, that all... Um, there are no words. <laughs> there are no words. <laughs> Uh, so while Jim is a gentle giant, well, Sandy, not so much. <laughs> but then that is the beauty of Jim and Sandy. You two have such a great partnership in all that you do. I see you work together side by side and complement each other with your differences and your sameness. So Sandy, it was such a nice surprise when I saw you when you first started visiting Heart Point. Who knew that after we'd worked to Delta that our paths would cross again and our friendship would have a chance to really grow? Thank you for all of the service you've given to the Lord here at Harvest Point. I so appreciate that you've shared yourself with the church and leading the women's ministry. Am I doing something? Offering the <laughs> wisdom through the SPR team and... Uh, pouring yourself into all of the other ministries and helping last year manage the costumes with RTB. We couldn't have done that without you. In each of these cases, I've seen your work hard and use your humor to lead love and to work in sometimes tense situations. Some of this was not easy or natural for you, um, but you, you leaned in and you went where God led you. Thank you for listening to his calling. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention again Mrs. Hopper. Thank you for bringing her into our lives. The laughter she poured into us will always provide light for the church, and especially for Tim Lummis. That man cannot say the word Mrs. Hopper without cracking up. So, And on a more personal note, and I'm going to stretch to describe this in a way that you might use, Sandy. So uh, bear with me. If your friendship were a cake, then you're, you bring the icing that is best described as whoopee cushions and fun. <laughs> and, that's on and that's on top of the cake that is filled with caring, compassion, and discernment. I'll forever hold in my heart the moment you pulled me aside after a deep hurt in my life and uh, pulled me aside in the moment that you poured love into my life and encouragement you gave me. I'm not sure you ever knew exactly how much that meant to me. And years later, 
I knew who to reach out to when I needed that again. And if you remember, I started this with I love you. So Jim and Sandy, we've done life together. We've done it well. We've lived some great times and some not so great times. And I thank God that we're walking on this walk together. And let's be clear, I do not see the walk ending. I see the path bending and new opportunities for our friendship to grow. Thank you for who you are, for the friendships that we have. We're asking that the Lord bless you and keep you, that you find a church home in Chattanooga that you embrace and that embraces each of you for exactly who you are. We ask, we're asking that you find a home that will be filled with joy and contentment, and may you remember that you always have a church home here at Harvest Point and friends who will always welcome you with open arms. We love you. Prefaces exactly, but they're moving to Chattanooga and they're going to be back and forth some. But um, we are so grateful for all the service um, that y'all have given to our church, and so thank you. And uh, we will never forget you. Um, and we won't let you. I know you won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> Unforgettable is a is a good word. And you know, one of the things a lot of y'all don't see is, like Donna said, week after week, they're usually picking up our cups. <laughs> our bulletins, all that kind of stuff. And that's at a small level, which is very different than even just the building and all the, the huge things. And so we're very grateful for you. And as I was preparing the sermon and thinking about, you know, okay, how do we give thanks and all of that, um, another gift from God came our way. And um, this came from... Uh, Pat Morehouse, who's the member, or who's the mother of one of our members, Sandy Brennan. And um, for some of y'all might recall, we mentioned it in worship right after it happened. If you're on our prayer chain, you know that um, Pat was in a terrible car accident on October 5th. Her and her husband were in Atlantic City, far away from home. Terrible car accident in the hospital for many weeks. Pat had two broken bones in her neck, four in her spine, a hematoma on her brain. Two surgeries on her neck. She now has seven screws. She had difficulty swallowing for a long time. And during that season, you as a church prayed for the Brennan family, which always sits on the front row. Nobody else will, <laughs> except for the person who asked to. Uh, <laughs> always sit on the front row. Fred is up there in the sound booth, Sandy's husband. And so y'all been praying for them. You've been supporting them. People made meals. Some people went to their house, took out their dog, just trying to support and love them in any way that we can. And what's profound is that in the midst of her recovery process, Pat took time to stop, to look around in the midst of uh, this very difficult time and to notice the gifts that God was sending into her life and her family's life still, even in the midst of all these difficulties. And she said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to express them. And so we actually have um, some audio of her. She recorded audio of her words of thanksgiving to us as a church. 
Dear, dear friends and family at Harvest Point Church, how do I ever thank you for being there for Sandy and family? The best way is to thank God for you, for he holds us all in his hands. I know I'm not a good person, not like God, not like you think good, but like God thinks good. Except for my fantastically marvelous, wonderful five children, I have many times wondered why I was here. My trauma nurse helped me with that. She told me that she had not been wanting to come to work. But I made her feel like she wanted to come to work. If that's all I do is help people feel good, I guess I'm worth it to God. That's why I'm here. I hope that this will let other people know and realize that even if they are not doing anything, quote, big, they are still doing, they are still important in God's eyes. Love, Pat. Andy's mom. Thank you for saying that, Mom. Giving thanks is a powerful thing. And um, as we sing our final song, I'm going to invite you to stand and to give thanks to God as we sing out together.